Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, welcome to Greater Alton Church, and I uh, hope you're wearing your favorite team colors. And uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday. But for those of us not in the Super Bowl, it's just NFL Day. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. Super Bowl hasn't even started yet, and the heckling is beginning. Okay. Great to have you with us, though. And uh, my name's Tim, and it's glad you could be here. If this is your first time here, um, it's normally like this. I'm sorry. <laughs> People scout stuff out. And, you know, They don't throw anything yet. They haven't got to that point. But it is good to be together this morning and um, to worship God today and, uh, you know, here on uh, February 2nd. Groundhog Day, by the way. Did you know that? It's Groundhog Day, too. Um, and uh, six more weeks of winter is what they're predicting. And, uh, so that's what's going on. Yay, yeah, for the glass business. Hooray! Uh, again, if uh, you're uh, visiting with us, thank you for coming and being with us today. And we're, we're just glad that you could be with us. Hope you're going to watch the Super Bowl with somebody here. I hope you uh, follow them home or, or follow them to their group, whatever you got to do. Don't stalk them. But just... Uh, Enjoy uh, being together. I think the, the high school ministry is going to be here at the building today watching the Super Bowl. Uh, the campus will be meeting at SIUE. Uh, Super Bowl, yeah. And uh, several of you are having uh, parties at your house and hope you, you have a great time and uh, may the best team win. Um, let's see. I wanted to mention a couple of things to you. It was brought to my attention that this Wednesday, the junior high cross chat is starting back up on Wednesday nights. Is that right? And it's going to be meeting here at 7 o'clock. If, you're, if you have a, a, a child that's, uh, or a student that's junior high, they're going to be meeting here. We're ramping them back up here, here uh, this Wednesday. That's what I was told. Susan's giving me the funny look. She gives me the thumbs up. Okay, good. You get that, Gary, the funny look and then the thumbs up? Yeah, normal. Okay. Okay, get it. Uh, also, uh, besides being Groundhog Day... It's Ashley Keller's birthday. And so, and so, happy birthday to Ashley, okay? And is it your birthday, Frank? Really? Okay. My goodness. What's that? And Cor- Corbin Stanford's birthday, too? Holy cow. i got to ask a question. Have any of you seen your shadow today? I just thought I'd ask. You. No? Well, that's, that might be good. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, also, uh, there was a baptism several weeks ago. We just didn't let you know about it. it was, we did let you know you saw it. But Adam is here. And uh, Adam, stand up. And uh, you got a microphone or anything? Did you get a microphone, Jonathan, or anything? Here's a microphone from Danny. So, All right. Hello. All right. Well, this is Adam. Um, hey, Adam. I got baptized when I went to Tennessee, and uh, we'd studied for a long while before that. And then uh, I actually met him hang out like every weekend for like two months in that time too. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> but uh, um, it's just been really cool to see what's happening um, Adam's life. Um, and I know a lot of you know this, but. Whenever Pat first brought Adam, he was kind of talking about him, and 
I like instantly said like I want to meet this guy and I want to talk to him. And I was like, I want to study the Bible with him. And Michael's like, oh, I don't know. Like, you're not in the same cross yet. That doesn't really make sense. And, like, I got to hang out with him one day, and I ended up being put in the study with him. And, <laughs> yeah, it was really funny that Michael was wrong. And uh, <laughs> it's, just been, it's just been really cool to see um, something that I wanted to happen way beforehand, like, come to be and just to watch this crazy change in Adam's life and just really watch him to commit his life to Christ. It's been really awesome. Alright. Alright. We uh, are in a uh, sermon series called uh, under new management, and we really haven't started that series yet. I'm kind of doing a prequel, and this is part two today. Uh, if you remember last week, very simple lesson, and today's going to be very simple as well. Uh, but sometimes we need, to re- we need to think about where does it begin? Usually, usually the, the deep truths of God begin in the simple things, the simple concepts. And uh, we've been looking at this idea of what is stewardship about. And stewardship is about more than money. That's what I'm learning, that it's much more about how I really manage everything that God has given me. That includes my time, my talents, my treasures, and, and as well as several other things. Um, and before we get into that series, Gary's going to be kicking that off next week. Uh, I'll, be, well, I'll be in Atlanta. And uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to do is we'll be looking at stewardship. We thought we would start by asking ourselves, well, where does it start? Well, we've learned that stewardship begins with ownership. And so we we decided, why don't we talk about I'm yours, Lord, because that is our theme for this year. And that idea of uh, I belong to God. And so we've we've been spending uh, the, the two weeks now looking at this. We're going to spend our second week today. Uh, this idea of possession. Now, if you'll notice on your notes here, it says here, David said these words here. He said that, he goes, my life is in your hands. He says that in the book of Psalms. What I... What I by looking at this, what is he saying? He's saying, Lord, like you're in good hands with Allstate, I'm in good hands with you. And I, I'm just placing my life. And when you put something in somebody's hand, you're basically saying it's theirs. You're saying this is mine. You know, and Lord, I'm putting my life in your hands. And so last week we started off this idea of ownership. And we talked about God owns, owns you and I. And why do we belong to God? And I give you four reasons why you and I belong to God. And if you remember them, let's just review real quick. The first reason I belong to God is because He made me. He made you. And we talked a little bit about how the person who makes something is the original owner. And so you're, God made you. You're His prized possession. And by the way, the kind of the, the owner kind of determines the value of what they own. Would you agree with that? You guys watch American Pickers? I love American Pickers. Mike and Frank. You know, I, I wish I'd have... Danny, we could have had a... That would have been a blast. We could have done that. Dug through barns looking for rusty gold. And Mike and uh, Frank one time are, are looking for uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, memorabilia. They're looking at anything connected with Bonnie and Clyde. And they happen to be uh, near the place where Bonnie and Clyde were ambushed. And there was a museum dedicated 
to this ambush, and they had all kinds of artifacts, guns, bullets, photographs, autopsy photographs. It was gross, some of them. And so uh, they were trying to buy some stuff off this guy, and the guy said, no, 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 all this stuff is here, and it stays here. So they moved on, and as they're talking, uh, as they're going to another pick, uh, Danielle calls and says, listen, I found uh, some people who have Bonnie and Clyde's motorcycle. And they look at the camera. We didn't even know that they had a motorcycle. This, is, this will be a honey hole. This will be a, the, the big find, you know. And so they're driving over. They pull into this house, and they're going, doesn't look like much. And there's this old elderly couple sitting in the back having some iced tea. And it says, look, we're here to look at the motorcycle. Uh, we understand it belongs to Bonnie and Clyde. That's right. Okay, well, my name's Mike. My name's Frank. What's your name? My name's Bonnie. They look at the fellow, the husband, and what's your name? Clyde. And we have a motorcycle for sale. We don't, can't believe you guys come all the way out here to look at our motorcycle. You see? Yeah, hello. Wake up. Does that make sense? The owner determines the value. And so you're made by God. You're valuable. You know, how you're so valuable that he would buy you back. That's the second reason we belong to God, if you remember last week. He, he bought us back. You know, you can be lost. You can lose something. How many of you have lost your car keys? How many of you have lost maybe an iPhone? Every week we find iPhones or all kinds of smartphones right here. They're not owned by very smart people, but they're still smartphones. And, and so, you, we, you know, we lose things. And by the way, when you lose something, you lose your car keys, you lose your iPhone, you lose your billfold. Do you say, well, I lost it out of sight, out of mind. It's not mine. No, you go, no, that's still mine, even though I lost it. And, you know, I, I've got a couple of stone eagles that were stolen from me that were about this tall, one to my great-grandfather. My brother brought them out here, and they've been, they were given to us, and they were stolen several years ago. And I'm still looking for them. It had took some big guys to load them up, so we're going to take a group of guys if we ever find them and some guns or something. We're not sure what we're running into. But, you know, just because it was stolen or just because I lost it doesn't mean it's not mine. And, and you may have drifted from God or just because you might get lost out of negligence of your own or someone else or you might be stolen, so to speak, doesn't, it doesn't eliminate the ownership of God in your life. The only way ownership is really transferred is when you give it to someone else or they buy it from you and God has never sold out on you and he's never given up on you. It's important to remember. We learned last week that you belong to God for a third reason as he has plans for you. And I have plans for my car and my crock pot today. I have plans for my, for, you know, for the things I own, but I don't have plans for your hamburgers or dessert. You're going to, I don't have, unless I'm there, I'll, I'm planning to eat it. Yeah. But the things that we own, we have plans for. And, that, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that proves his ownership. He made you for a purpose and for a function. And it's good. And, and then, of course, uh, the, the third reason is that he cares for you and I. That's how we know that God, God possesses us or, or we are owned or belong to God. That he will help us. You know, I don't help everybody's kid. I help my kids, though. You know, it's just, I, I, and God promises to help you. If you remember Isaiah 44, we looked at, he said, I'll cause it to rain. And, and your people, your children will rise like the grass 
and poplar trees. Now, the thing is, last week, as I was covering this passage, and I, and I, read, many, I read all the prayer requests, I get them and I look at all of them and pray through them. Some of you were so responsive. You know, you responded to all of this. Some of you said things like, I've forgotten that God owns me, and I want to live like He owns me. And, oh, it's so refreshing to hear that God still wants to help me and hasn't given up, hasn't sold out on me. Praise God. You know, that's wonderful. But one of the things I left out last week, and I don't know if it was on purpose, if God was up to something, or, or I just had a glitch or something, and that happens, was the, the key verse of the whole passage. And here it is. It's in Isaiah 44, verse 5, up here up on the screen. And he says, because of these reasons that God belongs to, you know, that you belong to God, Isaiah goes on to says, one will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. And if you remember, we looked at a clip from Toy Story where, where uh, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, were, they noticed the name Andy on the bottom of their foot. And we, we kind of keyed on that, but I forgot to show you this verse. And I think I know why. Because we were talking so much about how we belong to God and recognizing that, this verse is talking about the response to that. You see that? This is really the response to recognizing God's ownership. See, it's not enough just to recognize, well, God owns me. How will I respond? Will I be one that will say, I belong to God? Will I confess that to people? Hey, I belong to God. I want you to know that I belong to the Lord. Will I call myself? Will I say to myself, I have the name of Jacob, which means, means what? It means I'm a part of God's family, His promised, cherished possession. Will I write somewhere to remind myself the Lord's? I wrote on the bottom of this shoe, God's. And I wrote on the bottom of this shoe, the Lord's. I did that on purpose. I thought, you know, like Woody, you know, in case I forget. Wherever I walk, wherever I go, I'm the Lord's. I belong to God. I mean, do you find, do you find yourself forgetting that? I find myself forgetting that. It's easy to be... To think, I'm the Lord. I belong to God here at church. Right? But then we go to the restaurant and our food is cold. Or we're driving and somebody cuts us off. Do, do we forget? You know, will I take the name of the Lord? Will I take it as, as mine and say, I belong to God? See, there's a response and that's what I want to talk about today is your response, my response. Yes, I belong to God, and I'm so glad I belong to God, aren't you? He protects you. He helps you and I. He, he loves us so much. But what, how will I respond to what I've just recognized last week? And so this, this, or this, uh, this week I stared at a blank screen. How am I going to talk about this, Lord? I mean, I, I said I, I committed to a prequel, a two-part lesson, and I got nothing. I've never thought about, you know, well, I could just simply say, you give yourself a Lord by making a commitment to God. Now let's go watch the Super Bowl, and we're done. That would be the shortest lesson of all time. God did not agree with that. God gave me a passage. I prayed, and here's what he gave me. He gave me a passage in Psalms 25. 
And let me show you the Psalms to you. This Psalm, you can, if you want to read along, you can in your Bibles. Psalms 25, we're going to look at the whole Psalm. It's 22 verses long. I'm going to read out the New Century Version. You say, why do you use this version, Tim? I like it. And, and, and I like the way it says it. I like the way it frames it. And this is what it says. And I think we have it up on the screen as well. Lord, I give myself to you. My God, I trust you and I will not be disappointed. My friends will not laugh at me. If a person trusts you, he'll not be disappointed. But traitors will be disappointed. They will get nothing. Lord, help me learn your ways. Teach me your ways. Guide me and teach me your truths. You are my God, my Savior. I trust you every day. Remember to be kind to me, Lord. Show me the tender love that you've always had. Don't remember the sins and the bad things I did when I was young. For your good name, Lord, remember me with love. The Lord is truly good. He teaches sinners the right way to live. He teaches humble people His ways. He leads them with fairness. The Lord is kind and true to people who follow His agreement, by the words covenant, and promises. Lord, I have done many wrong things, but to show Your goodness, You forgave me for everything I did. Amen. If a person chooses to follow the Lord, then God will show that person the best way to live. That person will enjoy good things, and his children will keep the land God promised to give them. The Lord tells His secrets to His followers. He teaches His agreement to them. I'm always looking to the Lord for help. He always frees me from my troubles. Lord, I am hurt and lonely. Turn to me and show mercy. Free me from my troubles. Help me solve my problems. Lord, look at my trials and troubles. Forgive me for all the sins I've done. Look at all the enemies I have. They hate me and want to hurt me. God, protect me and save me. I trust you. So don't disappoint me. God, you are truly good. I trust you, so protect me. God, save the people of Israel from all their enemies. You know, David says, I think in a lot of translations, he starts off Psalms 25. Uh, the King James says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. And I think we have a song that goes like that, right? And it, and, and it, and this, but yet the New Century Version and a couple of others say, I give myself to you. That sounds different, Tim. It really isn't. What David is saying when he says, I lift up my soul. I lift up everything I am. I lift up all of me. I'm saying I'm yours, Lord. And it's everything that I am and everything I'm not. It's all that I have and all that I don't have. It's my past, my future. It's all of me. And David starts off this prayer by just simply saying, Lord, I give myself totally to you. And why would David do that? Because he, had said, he says, my life is in your hands. And to recognize one thing is, is one thing, but to respond to it is another. And so today I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, I want to encourage you to uh, respond to the ownership of God. And it's not just, well, I'll manage my things and we'll go through this series and learn how to manage my time, my talents, my treasures, and everything else. 
But also, it's not just recognizing ownership and, and managing my stuff here on earth, but recognizing the ownership of God and letting Him have ownership of all of me. Letting Him have everything, even where I'm not. That all of it goes to Him. That's called consecration. That's, conse- that's what the Bible calls consecration. That's what a burnt offering was for. You give it all to God. So what does that look like? What does it look like when I give myself to God? I think David goes on to explain this. He goes on to explain what it means to give himself to God in the following verses in, in, in Psalms 25. Let's look at them. You see, I give myself to God, first of all, when I trust God's plans. Yes, God has a plan for me because he owns me. And I can recognize that, but do I trust it? That's where the rubber hits the road when you stop and think about it, right? Oh, that's wonderful. Good to hear. God has plans for me, a hope and a future. Yeah, but will I trust those plans? Because let's face it, guys, we all have plans. You have plans of what you're going to do right after the last amen today. Some of you have, some of you have plans of, I plan on getting married. I plan on having children. I plan on working this career. I plan on making this much money. I plan on living in this city. And like the proverb says, a man sets his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And that's what a wise man says. A wise life is, hey, I know I got plans, but what are God's plans? And do they do they dovetail together? And see, when I say I'm giving myself to God, and everybody, let me tell you, if I asked you if you give yourself to God, you know everybody would say, oh, sure, sure. But the test is, do I trust His plans? Do I really trust Him? Because if I don't trust Him, I don't trust His plans, I'm not giving myself to God. I'm holding something back. I've kept it for me. Look what it says here in these verses. It says here, um, the Lord is truly good. Would you circle truly good? That's, is that a true statement? God is good, isn't He? He is truly good. When you stop and think about it, truly good. He teaches sinners the right way to live. There's the right way to live. Hmm. The right way. Is there a wrong way? Yeah. He teaches humble people His ways. Are there other ways? Absolutely. But He teaches humble people and sinners His way. And I love this. Not only does He teach them, this is it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is what you should be. He leads them with fairness. That's how God is good. He says, come on. You're going to do something. We're going to trust this plan. You're going to walk this path. You're going to execute this plan I have for you. And I'll be fair. I know sometimes it'll be hard, so I'll help you. I know sometimes you won't understand, and I'll try to help you understand. And I'll bless you all the way. See, when I give myself to God, I'm saying, Lord, I trust your plans. Whatever they are. Look what he says. Again, look what it says in Psalms 143, verse 8. 
Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. There's that phrase again. For to you I offer myself. I give myself. You trust God's plans? If God is good, are His plans good? Absolutely. You can count on that. And David believes that, and he's counting on that. Uh, Lord, I'm going to give myself to you. That includes that my plans are now yours. Your plans are now mine. And see, this is very important that I, not, only not, not only I learn the plan of God in my life, but I trust it and I actually live this plan. Because, guys, I don't know how good it is until I put it into practice. I never discover it. That's when I find out this is good. I like that pie. You do? Yeah, I sure do. Strawberry pie? Ooh-wee! Put a little whipped cream on it. Good. You like it? Yeah. Want some? Oh, I just like it. You don't want a bite of it? Sure. I'll take the whole pie if you keep tempting me. I, don't, I really don't know if it's any good until I just come in my mouth and really experience it. You see, I, God doesn't want me just to have information. He wants me to experience this stuff, too. And that comes from trusting His plan. I've got a little scale of 1 to 10 for us this morning. We've got one of these lessons, okay? Are you ready? When it comes to my future, with what influences my future the most, what would you say does for you? Is it more about your plans, your agenda, or God's agenda? When it comes to my, my future plans of job, education, relationships, values. I'll tell you what, it's re- you say, well, tell, I, I really, that, it's really hard to know. I, you know. I don't know sometimes what to do. You know why you don't know what to do sometimes? I'll tell you why I don't know what to do sometimes. I'm getting my agenda and God's agenda confused. They're mixed together. Like a bucket of bolts. I don't know which. What do I do? If they get mixed together and they, they just seem so alike. But they're not. If you stop and think about it, they're not. Now, don't assume this. If I go with God's plan, it's going to be awful. It's going to stink. I'm not going to have any fun. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how enjoyable it is to follow God's plan. Some of you here know what I'm talking about. You follow God's plan, and it's been wonderful. When it comes to planning, some people are better planners than I am, but all of us have this in common. God is much better at planning life than, than you or I. So ask yourself, what is it? Is it my agenda or God's agenda? David says, Lord, you've got me, so my plans are now in your hands. What do you say? Number, number two. Number two is, I give myself to God. I give myself to God when I'm guided by God's principles. I've chosen these words carefully. When I'm guided by His principles. I might get them here, but do they guide me here? I get them in my head, but do they guide me in the heart? And look how David says this. What an encouragement for you and I. He's saying to you and I, as people who are... Endeavoring to follow the Lord, endeavoring to give ourselves to God, he says, well, here's how you do it, Tim. You trust his plan. But look, Lord, he says, help me learn your ways. 
Teach me, he says. Help me. Teach me your ways. Then he says, guide me and teach me your truths. He says, you are my God, my Savior. I trust you every day. Now, I'm not trying to advertise the Daily Bible. That's not what I'm after this morning. I'm not trying to sell a bunch of them. I'm not trying to get you to take the daily text. I'm just simply asking you. You say, what are you trying to say, Tim? I'm not saying that you have to do your quiet times like I do. But if you're not in the Bible at all, if you're in the Bible hardly at all, how can you say you've given yourself to the Lord? I mean, really? If you're saying, I really have given myself to God, but I'm not interested in what He's saying. You've not given your ear, your heart to Him. And when we say, I've, given my, I've, I've made by the Lord my Savior, I've made Him my Lord, that means that what He says matters. Over anybody else, even you, me, everybody else. And I'm surprised at how many people claim to be Christians but don't have a clue what the Bible says, not because they haven't had time. I'm talking about people who've been Christians for years that still don't know what the Bible has to say. But they can tell you how to take apart a transmission. They can tell you every recipe. They can tell you the stats of the latest the Seahawks. And they can give you Sherman's rant two weeks ago verbatim without missing a beat. Quote it perfectly. Nobody's going to talk to me like that. Maybe you, I've got it down, some of it at least. So. What's the point I'm making? I'm just simply saying, guys, do we know the Word of God? Do we, do we really care about what God thinks? Do you care about what God thinks about things? Because when you give yourself to Him, you're saying, I want to know what you think about this. I brought, I'm bringing all of me. Here's my marriage. What do you think about this? Here's my family. What do you think about this? Here's my work ethics. What do you think about this? I'm, I'm a neighbor to this grumpy person. What do I do? How, what do you think I should do about this? If there's anything about the REC information, has it challenged you? Less than seven, man, challenges the fire out of us, doesn't it? Well, I really trust God to know how to best handle relationships when they're strained. When he says you ought to forgive, what a line. He says in the beginning of that video, we're the most forgiven people in the world. Therefore, we should be the most forgiving people in the world. I'm still reeling from that one. That's a principle of God. Am I guided by that principle? Am I guided by what he has to say? Now, if you're a new Christian, you've only been a Christian a little while. Listen, you've got to pass on this. I know you may not know your Bible all because of lack of experience, but many of us have been Christians for years, and we're still arguing over the same old thing. When are we going to stop that and start being guided? Where's this help me, teach me, guide me? When you give yourself to God, that's how you frame your life. I'm a student. I need help. Teach me. Guide me. I love verse 14. Look what it says here. The Lord tells His secrets to His followers. I want you to circle the Lord tells His secrets to His followers or underline it or put some arrows around it. Why? What a, what a crazy phrase there. What an what a amazing 
uh, encouragement here. He's saying, God is going to tell me His secrets if I follow Him. He's going to show me how to make it. How to get the most out of life. The secrets of life are in God's hands. And when I follow Him and I put myself in His hands, I'm exposed to those very secrets. I've got an inside track. You have an inside track to life. Why, the, the person that's not a Christian, how are they going to make it? Not you. God's given you His secret. Here's the secret. Why doesn't God tell everybody? Because not everybody wants it. He's not going to tell people don't want it. God isn't going to give His secrets to the disobedient. He's only going to give that to people who truly follow and obey Him. What's the last secret you've heard from God lately? Is God telling you His secrets? David says he tells his secrets to his followers. What's a follower? A person who puts their life in his hands says, I'm yours, Lord. What a response. Psalms 119, verse 30 says this. If you ever want to read a passage, all 176 verses of Psalms 119 is how David feels about God's principles. I guarantee you will find a favorite one in there that will encourage you. He says, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. My heart. I don't want it with my head. I've got my heart in this. And look at what he says here in verse 173. Let your hand help me because I have chosen to follow your guiding principles. Why am I studying this Bible to begin with? It's to help me and guide me in life. So when it comes to the choices I make in life... Do I tend to go by my gut or my God? That's what I ask yourself. You see, guys, everybody's got a gut feeling. You ever said that? I've got a gut feeling about this. You know, or you've said something like this. Let your conscience be your guide. You ever somebody say that? Let your conscience be your guide. Well, the gut and the conscience are great guides and to go with if they are educated well, huh? My gut tells me there's nothing wrong. And then I get electrocuted. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I've got, you know, like, where do I getting, where do I get this gut feeling and this conscience, this conscience, this guidance of conscience? It comes from information and experience. And God, and I'll, I'll tell you, as a Christian, I, I'm afraid to send us, I won't go with my gut. My gut can be wrong. How about yours? We have to go, we got to aim higher than the gut. Deeper than the conscience. But look at the very gut and conscience of God. And what does He say? So when it comes to making choices, do you find yourself going with your gut or with God? Here's the third one. I give myself to God when God shapes my priorities. You want to know if you're really giving yourself to God, your priorities start changing radically. Radically. Look how David says it here. If a person chooses to follow the Lord, then God will show that person the best way to live. Not the good way to live. Not the better way to live. The best way to live. Now everybody, let's face it, we all have priorities. We all have these lists, don't we? We prioritize life. 
One time I was at an RV uh, park and we were pulling out. And there's a sign that says, Antenna down, forget your wife. What? And this RV thought it was important that these two factors be reminded to the knuckleheads behind the wheel when they leave. Is your antenna down? How many antennas get broken on RVs because they're sticking up? Lots of them. And by the way, that particular day it was with Vernon. And we pulled out of Salina, Kansas at a KOA. And it says, is your antenna down? No. So we stopped and lowered the antenna. And he goes, Tim, did you forget your wife? <laughs> no, honey. You're right. I don't, no, I don't think so. wonder why they've got that. He goes, it must have happened often. You know, guys down there 50 miles <laughs> Cell phone rings. Honey, you forgot me. <laughs> Oops. Everybody has the priority of important things to remember. You know, there's, we, we, hear, we hear these these kind of lists reminded of there's God in country. We'll hear that kind of thing. Or we'll hear some Christians will use the acronym JOY. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. And you'll live a joyous life. That's a very good, I think that's a good principle to live by. But notice, notice that David is saying, when I give myself to God, my priorities are now going to change because he's saying, when I choose to follow the Lord, I've recognized this and he wants to encourage you. He says, if you follow the Lord, that God will show you the best way to live. And that means he's going to change your priorities. What you think is important isn't as important anymore. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Remember when you, when you, when you first became a Christian, how everything changed? All that free time you had for whatever you were doing changed, didn't it? I'm going to church on Sundays. I'm going to church on Wednesdays. I'm going to Bible talk. I'm going to subject group. I'm reading my Bible. Before, I was online doing bad things. I was out, out hitting the bars. I was out over here. I mean, I'm all over the place. Man, talk about a radical change. Let me ask you a question. Is it still radically changing? Are your priorities still changing? Or are they slowly slipping back to what they used to be? What are you talking about, Tim? Man, I'm gone all the time with church stuff. I need some me time. And the me time turns into me week. Hello? used to be so involved in reading my Bible and nobody had to ask me, are you having a quiet time? I was in my Bible. I wanted to learn these things and some of you here, like me, the Internet was invented since I became a Christian. You know, and man, talk about a whole door of opportunities to learn the Bible now. What excuse do I have? Used to be my weekends, my evenings, and now I'm sharing them by studying with people. Carving out time for small group, discipleship group, to come to church. Has that changed any? How's that going now? Because when you give yourself to God, priorities totally change. The Apostle Paul understood this. And in Philippians 3, you see, see some things implied as he 
talks about how radically his life changed. He goes, I once thought all these things were so very important. There was a time when he had all these things. And he's talking about his Jewish heritage. He's talking about all the things he, he learned as a young man, as a young, a young Pharisee. And he says those things, he said at one time, he goes, I once thought these things were very, so very important, but now I consider them worthless. What happened? Well, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Oh, Jesus changed your priorities. Yeah, Tim. What did he do? He bought me back. I'm his now. And so my, my priorities have totally, totally changed. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And look what else he goes on to say here. He says, he says I, uh, I have dis- discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ. Priorities can get in the way of having Christ, can't they? And Paul says, man, when I gave myself to the Lord, He got all of me. My plans, my thinking, my principles all changed, and my priorities have changed as well. What used to be so important, I had to have, it had to be, no longer matters to me anymore. You guys, if you're struggling with priorities, let me tell you how you can clear it up. Give yourself totally to the Lord. Just give yourself totally to the Lord. And it clears up. What do I do with my things? What do I do with my time? So, priorities. Scale of 1 to 10 here. Ask yourself this question. Circle one of these. My priorities show God, not me, not somebody next to you. My priorities show God, show God that I'm first or He's first. Which one is it? Which, which am I tend to be? More about me first or more about God first? Number four. This is, now, we're going to look at these next two points. And I find these next two points, the passage... We're learning something from the passage here. And I don't know why these two points are here. At first, at least that's how I felt. But I'll tell you something I learned. I've learned something here. Sometimes God knows when we need to talk about things. And this fourth point is amazing to me. Because when I give myself to God, I'm also bringing, my, bringing God into my problems. I'm saying, God, you've got everything. You've got all of me, including my hang-ups, my messes. My habits, my problems. You see, David, something's going on with David in this passage. As he's giving himself to God, he's, he's also learning some things about, about what that means. And one of the things he's realized is, you know, as I lift my soul to you and as I give myself to you, I know I must give my problems to you too. You say, well, that's everybody gives their problems to God. Really? You think so? Look, look what David's worried. Look at the kind of things he's saying that worry him. Lord, look at my trials and my troubles. He goes, since, since now that I'm yours, can we look at this stuff? <laughs> look at the stuff I'm going through. Look at all the enemies I have. They hate me and want to hurt me. He said, my relationships. I got people. I got, I got stuff going on in my family. Stuff. By the way, who are these enemies? Are these the Amalekites, the Hittites, and the Termites? No. He's not talking about these guys. He's not talking about these people outside of the kingdom. He's talking about people in his palace, people in his family, friends that he has. He's talking about people that he knows. He goes, 
Because my enemies hate me and want to hurt me. There's people that want to kill me. They want my ruin. By the way, some of us here, don't we have people that want to see us fall on our face and fail? Yeah. And so David brings that up. He says, look, I'm worried. Now, I'm going to try to maneuver through this and try to help some people here today because I don't know any of you here that are worry warts. If anybody here got anything they're worried about, I didn't ask for hands, Bob. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> Bob says I got plenty. That was a hand waving crazy. You must have luck. Okay. But, you know, we, I, I know all of us here have got something that we're worried about. Why how do I know that? Because that's just the human condition, right? That's the way we are. We're worried about things, something, a person, a relationship, maybe our finances, maybe our bodies. We're worried about something that's going on. And that's not really what, you know, David's not saying, okay, Lord, I'm yours and you've got my problems. I don't want to think about what about Bob when he says, take a vacation from my problems. You know, is that what God's saying? Yeah, he's saying, yeah, let me write you a prescription. Here it is, Bob. Take a vacation from my problems. See you in three weeks. Take a vacation from my problems. You're amazing, Dr. Marvin. Is that what he said? Is that what that's about? I don't think God's saying he wants you to take a vacation from your problems. Christianity's not about, Lord, here's my problems. Thank you. Take care of it. And go make some more problems. Or find some more problems. Got a few more. No, I think he's talking to... He knows we worry. He knows you worry. That's not the... The question is not, do I worry? The question is, what am I doing with those worries? You follow me now? What am I doing with these worries? I have everybody worries. I don't worry. You don't worry? You better be worried about that. You know, I, I, and what I notice with David here, he's, he's basically, all he's trying to say is, look, Lord, I got some things on my mind. I got some problems. And you've got me. So I guess you have my problems too. Why do we worry? Why do we worry? Why do I worry? You know what a lot of it has to do with? Control. I don't worry about things I have control over. I worry about things I don't have control over. And that tension makes me worry. How am I going to get that where it needs to be, where I want it to be? This isn't being played out the way I want it to be. And so I get worried about it and all worked up about it. Worry comes from a desire to have control. And you know what the thing is, guys? You're never going to have control. So guess what? You're going to worry. So what do I do? I bring my problem. I put God in it. I bring my problem to God. Listen to me and I'll, I'll... Worry doesn't solve anything. But prayer does. Wor- listen to me. Worry 
what is, what is, but I'm just showing I'm concerned. No, you're showing you're in, trying to be in control. How do you know that, Tim? I don't know. I know somebody that does it all the time. They worry about the things that they have no control over and they get all worked up and what's going to happen. And, you know, and, and, and I watch other people, they say, why are you so relaxed? How can you be so relaxed? The things are breaking loose and I don't know what's going to happen. Because it's, it's in God's hands. You're just, you're just ignoring your... Pro- no, no, I'm saying... I'm bringing, and this is what I'm learning over the last year. That I, I'm, I'm learning not to worry so much. You know, well, let me take that back. I still worry as much as I always have. I'm learning to do something with those worries instead of just brew. I've learned to bring them to God. Lord, here's my problem. And what I notice is God is... By the way, let's, let's read a few other verses here. He says... This is, this, this, I find this very interesting. I am always looking to the Lord for help. He always frees me from my troubles. Wait a second. I've been taught you never should use the word always in a sentence. David says, I disagree. Because when you're always looking to the Lord for help, He will always free you from your trouble. The reason it doesn't always happen is because I'm not always looking to the Lord for help. Therefore, He isn't always helping me with my trouble. You follow on this? Very simple, isn't it? But profound. David says, when I give myself to God, I know, I am confident, I can count on this and not be disappointed that God will free me from all my trouble. Well, how can you say that? Because I'm always looking for Him for help. Lord, I am hurt and lonely. He doesn't, he doesn't say, I don't have problems. He says, I got them. I'm hurt and lonely. Turn to me and show me mercy. Free me from my troubles. He doesn't say get rid of them. Free me from my... What's he talking about here? I think he's talking about... Free me from the bondage that my troubles have on me, that hold it has on me that makes me worry and not be confident in you. Free me from my troubles... Help me solve my problems. He's not saying, take my problems away. Help me solve them. And when is a problem solved? That's a good question. When, when do I have a solution to a problem? Oh, when I'm always looking to the Lord, I find it, huh? And when I trust Him, that problem is resolved somehow. I'm, I grow from it. I'm changed by it. It actually has a positive purpose in my life now. Is this helping anybody this morning? Sure helping me. I might get the CD to listen to this again. God doesn't eliminate my problems. He helps me solve them and He helps, them, helps me find, find freedom and security as I'm going through them. But that happens when I give myself to Him and I bring Him into my problem. So, scale to 1 to 10. I tend to tackle my problems alone. Or do I bring God along? How do I know if I've done it alone? I don't pray about it. Not very much about it. 
I'm thinking how I can politically, I'll say it this way, politically maneuver my way through this somehow to get my way or ignore it or I'll cope with it. I guess I'm going to have to cope with it. Or I can take God along and He can help me through it and grow from it and be better by it. How do you tackle your problems? Do I have to say this? Remember homework? All those problems you had in math? What were they designed to do to make you better? God uses these problems to do the same thing. But if you don't give them to Him, He isn't going to do anything with them. Number five. I give myself to God, according to this passage, when I trust God with my past. What? When I trust God with my past. What's that got to do with giving myself to God? You know, when I give myself to the Lord, I give everything to God. When you give yourself to the Lord, you give everything, including not only your problems, but your past. Why is that so important? Because our past pushes us around, doesn't it? Our past intimidates us. The skeletons in the closet scare us. Make us, they keep us, they hold us back. I heard somebody say one time that you may be done with the past, but the past may may not be done with you. And I think that's probably true. The past is not done with you. And God doesn't want you to forget your past. He wants you to use your past. If he, if he wanted you to forget it, he'd put a mechanism in there and make you forget it. Why does he make me remember? Why does he let me remember? Not make me, let me. I think it's because so you won't do it again. <laughs> that might be one. But look what he says here. Look at how David says it. Don't remember the sins and bad things that I did when I was young. For your good name, Lord, remember me with love. He brings up his past. He goes, man, I, anybody done anything? Remember when you were young and you did foolish stuff? Foolish stuff. Foolish stuff. I think of things I've done with gasoline. Foolish stuff. Could have burnt the farm down. Got a whooping. I'm still feeling it. Did stupid stuff, you know, with my car. Dumb stuff. You can't jump that. Watch me. Anybody got a phone number for a tow truck? Stupid stuff. When we're young. Young and dumb. Stupid stuff. David says, man, my past, this, this, this hounds me. This bothers me. And Lord, I just got to tell you, if you're going to get all of me, you're going to get all the junk in the past. Please don't remember that. Remember me. Don't remember that. He takes his past to God. And, I, and church, I... I just think about how much power the past has over you and I. Regret has this grip that holds you and I back. I just want you to remember something. I think David is realizing, hey, if I bring it all to you, Lord, I'm trusting you can do something with it. And God would say, absolutely. God doesn't waste anything. He will not waste your past either. 
but I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. Well, God wants to wipe your slate clean, but He wants to use that. What would He could He possibly use my past for? To help somebody that's gripped by their past, may have the same problem. And so David brings his past. As he lifts up his soul, he lifts up his sin and says, Lord, I, I got to have you help me with this. I've said this before and I'll say it again, guys. Baptism washes away your sins, but those habits take a little more scrubbing. We have to come back to him again and again and again. And God is there to help you. When you fully trust him, when you give yourself to him, he will scrub you clean. Again and again. He says in verse 11, Lord, I have done many wrong things, but to show your goodness, you forgave me for everything I did. Praise God. You know, as you're remembering the past and your regrets, you know, David says, remember God's mercy. Remember the good things he's done there. He's the beginning and the end, and he has forgiven that past. It doesn't have to reign over you anymore. He says, Lord, look at my trials and troubles. And then he even says, forgive me for the sins I've done. He almost say, the trials and troubles I have, some of them have come from me. I brought them on myself. And I'm depending on you to help me with this. Before I spend a dollar, before I manage my money or manage my time or manage my things, Lord, I need you to help manage me. And God will manage you when you place yourself under His management like that. He'll help you. He owns you. He promises to do that. Psalms 32, 5 says, I made my sins known to you. This is after David has said, I've hidden them for a long time. Then I made them known to you, and I did not cover up my guilt. I decided to confess them to you. Oh, Lord, then you forgave all my sins. He goes, you know what? I got them on the table. If I'm going to give myself to you, here's all the secret stuff, too. And what did you do with it? Did you run from me? No. Did you, did you separate yourself from me? No. Did you condemn me? No. You forgave me. All of them? All of them. And so when you give yourself totally to God, you can be confident that God forgives again and again and again. Why? Because you're walking in the light. And as you walk in the light, as He is in the light, you have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ continually washes away your sins. Amen? But see, it comes down to your response. So when it comes to my past, what do you find yourself doing when it comes to your past? Am I constantly looking back or am I constantly looking up? See, what we're talking about here, guys, is when we're talking about stewardship, we're talking about, first of all, giving ourselves totally to God and starting there before we even worry about anything else. Well, I depend on God totally. And that includes, will I look up to Him and... and, and, and depend on His mercy, depend on His grace to save me, to forgive me? Will I depend on His love when He disciplines me? Will I depend on that mercy when He reminds me of my purpose and His plan? When He, when he speaks into my life through another Christian, says something that hurts, will I remember it's about help? 
See, every time you have a regret, you need to start requesting from God. Just pray to God, God, help me with this. Why? Because He forgives. Now, I don't know how to land this sermon. This sermon here has been difficult. Got up in the air, flew around a little bit. I don't know how to land it. I'm serious. I don't know how to end this thing. I found a verse that I want you to think about. It's, it's found in Psalms 119. It's in verse 57. And look what David says. He goes, Lord, you are mine. I promise to obey your words. I just, I, what I'm asking you this morning is to look at your response. Are you holding something back from God? Here we are at the beginning of a year again, 2014. And I just, want, I just ask you, are you holding something back from God? Or can you pray, I'm yours, Lord? Can you say that this morning? Lord, will you say that this morning? How about that? Will I leave this before I leave this place? I want to say, Lord, I'm yours. And you are mine. Because when you do, then you can manage whatever He gives you. There's a card in your bulletin. And it's a response card. It's a, a communication card. Yes, you can make comments. You can have prayer requests. But maybe there's a decision you want to make today. I want you to know God sees your heart this morning. I can't. So if you've got, if you ever do this in the crowd, you know, you ever do this? I used to do this. If the preacher looks at me, he must be talking to me. I've done that for years, okay? Well, of course I'm talking to you. Do I have to look at you to get that? Of course. I'm not talking to people out there. You're here. But I want, to, I want you to know God looks deep in your heart and He sees what you're really about. And He sees what no one else sees. I want you to know if you're seeking the Lord, He sees that and is going to reward that. If you're, if you're serious about following the Lord, He sees that and will reward that. If He sees you holding back, He's going to try to nudge you to see that and give that. What do you need to give the Lord today? What part are you holding back? We're going to give you a chance to respond to this lesson right there from your seat with this, with this communication card. We're going to sing a song uh, after I pray here. Give you time to do that. And then we'll sing another song and take up those cards. And then you're going to have the afternoon. And all I want to say is enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy, enjoy the blessings God gives us on, on this Lord's Day. Groundhog Day. God's Day. Super Bowl Day. Wow. What a day, huh? What I want to do is, as we close here, uh, if you'd like, you can open up your Bibles to Psalms 25. We're going to pray through Psalms 25 as we close. And then uh, the worship team will have it, and we'll close out our service. Lord, as David writes, we pray, Father, we say that we give ourselves to You. Because You are our God, Father, and we trust You. And we believe we will not be disappointed Our enemies may laugh at times, but they're not going to laugh very long because you take care of us, take care of me. Father, we place our trust in you, knowing we will not be disappointed.